0: Listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting, a series that draws on the experience of experts to unearth the principles of personal and team leadership. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us. Welcome to Inside Healthy Teams from Apricot Consulting. Revealing conversations with execs designed to provide leaders practical insights to build healthy organisations for the future. I'm your host James McHugh, one of the team here at Apricot Consulting, and today I'm joined by one of our team, James James Natzis, Apricot's Chief Operating Officer. James has 15 years of combined management and consulting experience, working with executives of some of Australia's biggest brands across multiple industries. James, thank you for joining us today. It's great to be here, James. Terrific. Well, James, our topic of discussion today is on leadership. It's such a big topic. Everything rises and falls on leadership and we only have to scroll our news feeds on our social media pages uh, momentarily before we see some sort of catastrophic failure of leadership. Here at Apricot Consulting, we use the phrase, influence flows downhill. So the leader sets the tone. So James, firstly... How are we possibly going to be able to talk about this topic in the short time that we have today and do it justice?
1: Well, obviously we can't, James. Uh, there are many, many books written on the topic. There are many podcasts written on the topic. Uh, everyone knows that every domain of life is impacted by the lack of or the, the, the infusion of leadership. And I even think back to some of my times in the sporting my sporting career, which- uh, Of
0: course, here we go.
1: Never, ever got paid uh, any money to do, of course, although I did, did make some money making some hundreds along the it, way.
0: It was that one knee injury, wasn't it?
1: Yep. Yeah. I, actually, I actually made yep. 100, actually, I, just to clarify to our listeners. but uh, Third
0: grade? Was it third grade?
1: No, no, it was a, it was a reasonable grade. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless, so I just remember one, uh, this one particular organization I played for and the president got up and he was talking about the stuff that we talk about in leadership, which is values. And he put up in an A4 piece of paper the Cricket Club Values, And he pointed to them and said, these are the values of the organization. And I kid you not, I needed a magnifying glass to be able to see what those things are. (laughs) Um, Again, his attempt as a leader to set the scene and the culture was, was appropriate, but it wasn't the right mechanism to drive that culture. So even in that, in context, we just cannot talk enough about this topic and we don't have enough time today, mate, to do so. All right. So in saying that though, we'll do our best.
0: So tell us a little bit about your experience around the topic of leadership.
1: Yeah, well, I've been leading teams, uh, leading uh, an organization at a very young age, a not-for-profit. And for those of us who've led a not-for-profit, particularly where you have to deal with volunteers, you know you just cannot be a manager telling people what to do. You have to learn the craft and the art of leadership, which is actually a lot more around people wanting to do things without you telling them to do that. So one's more around them buying into who you are as a person, what your mission and what your vision is. They buy into that and then they sacrifice out of that as a result of that. And so I cut my teeth in the not-for-profit and since then I've been in the corporates helping them to understand the difference between leadership uh, and management. Uh, They do need to coexist because they both have different skills and different requirements but nevertheless the bit that's often absent is leadership. Yeah, Uh, And so I've spent a lot of my time developing, coaching, leaders in the midst of that and build, building leadership programs for uh, national uh, companies and helping them move that the needle in terms of gro- driving a leadership culture.
0: With all your experience and you're touching on your experience in not-for-profits but also working with some of Australia's biggest brands, what are the biggest challenges uh, that you see facing leaders today?
1: Well, data seems to be the big topic of conversation. Obviously VUCA, which was popularised by the US Navy, Uh, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity. So sense-making itself is becoming a really critical thing. We've got so much data. What do we do with it? How do we make decisions in light of? Right. And we're relying a lot, to to be honest, almost on the silver bullet called AI. And AI tells us that, you know, we can not only be predictive, we can be prescriptive. Uh, Not a lot of businesses have that level of maturity to be able to adapt to that. So it still relies on the human element to be able to sense-make. Adaptability or dealing with change uh, is a key one because things are changing yeah. all the time. Simplification, that has been able to simplify to my business, to my cohort, what it is that we require to do that it's going to be high leverage uh, activities. Simplifying that out is a really key challenge. And then the final one is just the movement of social. And social is not just about internal engagement. It's what's my business doing to solve real social problems and add to them? And we've seen recent fires in Australia and how corporates now are really leading the way in terms of not just putting their hand in their pocket, throwing resources and people towards these social causes. And so that's becoming a really huge imperative. It's not just uh, in, uh, enough to put on a PL and uh, mm. financial. Uh, the social component becoming very, very important.
0: Yeah, that's right. And it's not – yeah, like you said, it's not it, – Corporates can't be just seeing it as a ticker box. It has to be a huge part of um, of who they are. Um, leadership experts like Pat Lencioni and Stephen Covey uh, often talk about the foundational importance of trust in leadership and team contexts. In your experience, how have you encouraged trust building?
1: Yeah, trust is an interesting thing because we expect it from others, but we don't always give it out, and so. You know, there's always a question that we ask people is, is trust given or is it earned? Um, in the context of people buying into you as a leader, modeling a couple of key elements is critical in driving a trust culture. One is modeling authenticity. And there are a lot of buzzwords uh, in the marketplace around authentic leadership programs. And I think some of them hit the mark, but all of them don't. And because they don't often address the root cause of me being happy as a human being. And then leading out of the fact that I'm good in some things and not so great in other things, yep. plus my whole life experiences which shape me as an individual, positively and negatively. So, modeling authenticity yeah, doesn't right. mean that yep. you bleed in front of people, mm. but you come and you share your weaknesses. Who would have thought you could talk about that and not be threatened if someone says you're not that good in that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, rather, you say, "Well, yeah, you're right," and you joke about it, and you laugh about it. So that's the that first part. Personal accountability is another one. So, if you're expecting trust from others. And you're not accountable and you're not putting your hand up and saying, we failed and it was my fault. As a leader, everything uh, is on your shoulders. Uh, The Navy SEALs, for example, they believe in this concept of extreme ownership. You own everything in your world. Yeah. yeah. Um, It's not if if there's a team failure, it's your failure. Yeah. Not the team's. Yeah. Right? Uh, And then the last one is giving real empowerment. And we talk a lot about this. Um, You know, you look at some of the guys – who, who who educate on leadership and they talk about the, the, the person is growing in their leadership gives power away, not just responsibility, they give authority. Great. Um, tell us about
0: the best leader you have ever worked for. What made this person stand out to you, James?
1: Yeah, yeah look, I've, I've had the privilege of working with a lot of leaders and I, I did mention that a lot of my background has been historically in the not-for-profit space. And as I alluded to earlier, a lot of the really good not-for-profit leaders actually know how to lead because they have to influence people that don't have to be there. They don't get paid to be there. Yeah. Yep. So when you're not no longer paid to be there, what's the hook? Mm. It has to be around cause and mission and and purpose. And so the the, the leader that I think back to uh, was a guy who was, has been my mentor for over 20-odd years and I think the thing that differentiated between him and all the other leaders I've had is A, his ability to stick with me over the journey. So it's not just uh, I do it while you're with me while I'm getting paid while you're in my context. Yeah. Uh, he stuck with me. That is the first part. The other thing that he did really, really well, he was able to step, step aside on multiple occasions to give power to others and not be threatened that he wasn't the big dog in the room. And yeah. giving power away is still I think one of the hardest things that leaders have to grapple with. Why? Yeah. Because they feel threatened. Yeah. If I give power away, what does that mean for my role? This guy, this mentor of mine has always been happy to do that. And ironically, he continues to climb his own career because of his willingness to step aside and let leaders lead and groom and develop leaders to be the best they can be. So he really taught me the the importance of developing people uh, above me and below me and stepping aside and being willing to put others in front of you if they're going to be better than you are. And that's very rare to be able to do so because it is about checking your ego at the hook. Uh, but they do say that the great leaders are able to do that.
0: Yeah, you really got to have that long-term mindset, don't you? I was reading a HBR article uh, recently saying that one of the best things uh, uh, leaders can do is take that step back uh, and or take a sidestep in their careers in order to learn some of those, those skills and some of those characteristics, those intangibles, um, you know, is, is uh, really important. Uh, So the pace of organisational change is frenetic in today's world. How should leaders today deal with these challenges?
1: Yeah, well, some of the stuff is already related to what I shared earlier, Mm. which is just the authenticity to be able to say, I don't have the answers for my team. And in the top-down view of the world, the leader comes down from the mountain and He's got the notes. He's got the history. She's got the understanding of how she did things in the past. And there's an element of fear when I come out to my team and I say, look at the marketplace, look at the disruptions going on right now. Uh, I don't know what to do. Mm. I think the first part is to be able to say that's okay to be acknowledge it. But the best ideas are in this room and we're going to walk out of here today or tomorrow or next month with a plan and what we're going to do to address these challenges and these issues. Mm. So I think the first part's around acknowledging that and being open with it. The other part that and having dealt with and led a number of change and transformation initiatives, even global ones, some of the really big players, uh, effective change still rises and falls on leadership and particularly line management leadership but where it falls over often is not because they didn't have good intentions. With the, the teams and the organizations didn't build enough margin for the change. Yeah. And I know McKinsey talks about the whirlwind. And when you've got the whirlwind going, you've got all your BAU stuff that you've just got to do. Yeah. And now, by the way, you're telling me to build in some change? Yeah. If you don't build margin in for the change, you can't ever, ever put it in. Yeah. So the, the really good organizations will build that margin and rather expecting it over and above.
0: Yeah. Yep. So something has to drop in order to to prioritize that margin.
1: Yep. Yeah, and I think the other part that's really important here is the the role of storytelling in leadership. Yeah, uh, and being able to help people to connect themselves to that story, and the story is changing. There's mm. chapters in the book, uh, so storytelling is becoming increasingly important component of a leadership mm. model.
0: Yeah, yep, great. One of the persistent issues we are often asked to address in organisations is to address communication from leaders to their teams and their people. Uh, what are some of the communication practices you see organizations doing well?
1: The really good ones use tech less. 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 And they just go to the old school model. Uh, we work with teams at executive level and talk to them.
0: But is have there time? Cu- have is a, there time?
1: Have a cup of coffee with the people. Now, clearly you don't do that with everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. But as a leader, if you're not touching, if you're not shaking hands, if you're not walking close and listening and hearing, you're never really communicating. So when you ask that question around communication, it still relies a lot on the old school model of just eyeballing people, Mm. listening to them, waiting before you're responding, not jumping in with the answer. And and so yes, absolutely. There's a there's a tension between how much do I do that versus the BAU stuff. But at the end of the day, it's a people game. People still are the key resources for what makes your business effective.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what are some of the foundational practices you recommend then uh, developing leaders should put into place?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, James. Developing leaders. Yeah, I I, I remember Cheryl Sandberg from Facebook when she said. And she wrote on the topic of leadership and she said when she was a young leader coming through the ranks and now she's COO at Facebook, one of the questions that she had to reflect back on was, when do you know you're ready for leadership? Because often as a younger leader, and often millennials are painted with the wrong brush, but there's a sense where I should be a leader now. I've only been working for two years. <laughs> there is a sense where some of that came Hey, hey, him. I'm a
0: millennial. I see what you're saying.
1: <laughs> and." She, she said that you know when you're ready to lead when you're more interested in the team's success than your own success. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that reflection question is a really important one. But yeah. connected to that are two key questions. One's a why and a what question. The why question is what's your purpose? What do you get out of bed for? What, what, what brings you meaning in what you do? Because if you can't address that, you'll always be leading with the wrong motive in your leadership. Yeah. Uh, particularly when you're looking at pure leadership. Now, if your motive is to make money, well, call that out, Mm. right? If that's going to get you out of bed, fine. Work out your why and then work out your what. Your what very simply is we all know, we're all aware of our weaknesses. Mm. Uh, I used to think I could play for Australia in in cricket. I used to spin the ball a lot but I could never land it on the pitch (laughs) Uh, and that was always the knock on me. No point
0: in being able to spin it if you're not landing it on the pitch, Jim. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, so the first one's are very much a why and the what one is, is, yeah. is about what your strengths are. Yeah. Find out really quickly what makes you you. Yeah. And what makes you really good at what you do mm. and leverage that. Build mm. on your strengths.
0: Yeah, so important, isn't it? As we start a new year, what are the important things good leaders should be thinking about and addressing with their teams right
1: now? Well, clearly we've spoken a lot today about purpose and you just interestingly, what happens for the average human at the start or the end of a certain decade to the start of a new is these questions about life uh, do arise and they're natural, uh, reach a new decade as a human being. There are natural, natural questions about have I achieved what I wanted to achieve? Uh, what difference am I making in the world? And I think that is, introspection is really important to bring into a team environment where we ask the same question. What got us here in the first place? what's our deep story as a team or an organization? Uh, Where are we going? What problem are we solving in the world? How do we make money? I think it's a really good opportunity to crystallize that, simplify that, and then help people to understand where they fit within that story. And on top of that, connected to that is looking at yourself as a leader and then asking some questions around, am I creating a great culture? Am I building trust in the team? Uh, Interestingly, when you look at Google's model and their team model, they put psychological safety at the, at the bottom of their pillar, their five pillars. And that psychological safety is really, really critical because what it then drives is people feel safe to speak up, to challenge ideas and so forth. And at the top of the pyramid, ironically, they've got meaning and impact, which is yeah. your purpose piece. So yeah. when you look at that together – Uh, There's two components here. One is the internal reflection on myself as a leader. Mm. The other bit is about looking at our team and narrowing our purpose and clarifying that so it's crystal clear.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been a terrific conversation, James. One final question. What is the one thing a leader should focus on at the start of this new decade?
1: Make a decision on what they're going to own as a leader. What are they going to be accountable for? Mm. The biggest reason for the lack of leadership in the world is a lack of accountability and a lack of willingness to acknowledge and own a problem. Going back to the Navy SEALs, what makes them probably the premier Navy, if you like, uh, in the world is their their code, which is extreme ownership. We own everything in our world. Mm. And how good would the world be, uh, ironically, it sounds yeah. like a cliche, if people owned everything in their world? Women and men owned their homes? owned their workplaces and took ownership for the team success. Yeah. So yeah. very different world.
0: Very different world, wouldn't it be?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Make a decision to be accountable. Yeah. And stick with it. Great. Great. Well, thank you for your
0: insights today, James. Uh, and thanks to our listeners for joining us here on Inside Healthy Teams. Apricot can help you build healthy organ- a healthy organization for the future. So check us out on our website or on our social media. Thanks for listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting. We hope you found it helpful. And if you did, it would help us if you could rate and review this episode on your podcast platform and subscribe for more episodes. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us.